Greetings, listeners of the Latin Prayer Podcast, and welcome back for another episode. I am thrilled to have you with me today, and first and foremost, I want to extend my gratitude to all of our loyal listeners for your unwavering support. It means the world to me, especially those of you who listen to the podcast daily and pray the rosary every day. Don't forget to check the show notes for the daily rosary links, and please share this podcast with your family and friends. Remember, as Pope St. Pius X once said, if there were one million families praying the rosary every day, the entire world would be saved. Now, if you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes, please hit the like button and consider leaving a comment to show your support. Your engagement is what actually helps the podcast grow and succeed. Now, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, don't hesitate to reach out to me via email at latinprayerpodcast at gmail.com. I value your input and I strive to provide content that is valuable to you. Lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast further, consider becoming a subscriber on my Patreon page. With a minimum monthly donation of only $1 to $2, you can help me continue creating meaningful content for you. And before we end today's episode, we will pray for our wonderful patrons, their family members, and their intentions. I want to thank you again for tuning in, and I can't wait to dive into today's episode, so let's begin. Today, we will be diving into the Feast of the Presentation, also known as the Feast of Light, or the Feast of Candlemas. This day is celebrated by Catholics all over the world to honor the Holy Family's visit to the Temple in Jerusalem, 40 days after the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, we will be discussing the significance of this day, the laws and rituals surrounding the purification, the presentation of our Lord Jesus, the poverty of the Holy Family, and the encounter between the Holy Family and Holy Simeon and Anna the Prophetess. The Feast of the Presentation, or Candlemas, marks the commemoration of Mary's submission to the Mosaic Law by undergoing the ritual purification. Now, this purification, also known as the Churching of Women, as you may have heard of it, was required by the law of Leviticus 12 for women who gave birth to a male or female child. Our Blessed Mother, as the mother of our Lord Jesus, is seen as a model of obedience to the law, because even though she herself was pure and sinless and didn't need the purification, she submitted anyway. This day serves as a reminder of the importance of following God's laws and commandments, and this is also why during the fourth joyful mystery, we traditionally pray that God grant and increase in us the gift of obedience. Now, according to the verses in Leviticus, the purification process was a necessary step for women who gave birth. They were required to bring a sacrifice of a lamb or two pigeons if they were poor, to the Lord and to offer it as a symbol of their obedience. The priest would then pray for the woman so she would be cleansed from any impurities related to childbirth. This was a significant moment in the life of a Jewish woman, as it marked her return to society after giving birth. Now, after our Blessed Mother's purification, she, along with St. Joseph, presented our Lord Jesus to the temple for his redemption. This was in accordance with the law of Exodus 13, which required the firstborn son to be redeemed. The redeeming of the firstborn son was known as the Pidyon HaBen in Hebrew, and it was a significant event in the life of a Jewish family. It's really important for us to note here that the word firstborn refers to the male child that opens the womb, not the first of a series of children born. It is important for us to know this and make this distinction because it is a Protestant heresy 
to say that our Blessed Mother had multiple children. She only had one, and that one was our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We can't take language from a previous generation, change its meaning to how we understand it in today's terms, and then apply today's meaning to that word. We need to look at how that word was understood in the context of that time in history. And at that time in history, firstborn refers to the male child that opens the womb, not the first of a series of children born. So this day is also known as the Feast of the Presentation because it marks the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ to the temple and his redemption according to the law. Again, I also want to point out that our Lord did not need any redeeming. But again, under this gift of obedience, under the submission to the law of God, they submitted. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth going back in detail here. The Holy Family must have been poor, as our Blessed Mother offered two pigeons instead of a lamb for her purification. Now, this was a common way for the poor to fulfill their obligation to the law, and this was actually indicated in Leviticus. This serves as a reminder to us of the humility and the simplicity of the Holy Family and their willingness to follow the laws and commandments of God even in the face of poverty. Now, you'll remember, shortly after this, there was an encounter with Holy Simeon and Anna the prophetess. This is why we call today the Feast of Lights or the Feast of Candles, because it actually ties into the prophecy of Holy Simeon. He knew that he would live to see the consolation of Jerusalem. See, Simeon was a devout and righteous man. He recognized our Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, even though he was a baby and he blessed him. Our Lord also encountered the aged widow, Anna the prophetess, who recognized our Lord Jesus as the Savior of the world. According to St. Methodius, the old man Simeon represented the people of Israel and the law, while the widow represented the Church of the Gentiles. This encounter serves as a symbol of the arrival of the Messiah and the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. But what does all of this have to do with light and the significance of candles? In order to do that, we need to break apart St. Simeon's prophecy. We read in Scripture, Luke chapter 2, verse 34, When Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and resurrection of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be contradicted, and thy own soul a sword shall pierce that the thoughts of many shall be laid bare. St. Bernadine of Siena says that this sorrow of Mary was so great that if it had been equally divided among all men, they would have died immediately. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said that no martyrdom had ever equaled hers, and Mary was not a martyr by the sword of an executioner, but by bitter sorrow of heart. So our Blessed Mother takes on a new role by embracing this sorrow. According to Father Ripperger, who is an exorcist and has given many, many extensive talks on Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lord is revealing that Our Lady is the one that we must go to for secret knowledge. Now, where would this be most applicable? In our own life. It's very, very helpful to pray to Our Lady of Sorrows to reveal our own defects, our own predominant fault, because a lot of times the predominant defect is not the one that is most seen. 
Now think about this in terms of light. What does light do? It illuminates the darkness. It makes that which is covered in darkness visible. It allows us to see what we couldn't see before. And this is why often we see the Immaculate Heart of Mary as depicted being pierced by a sword, and also why if you look up Our Lady of Sorrows, you will see an image of Our Blessed Mother or her heart being pierced by several different swords. Now, St. Simeon also refers to Our Lord as a light to reveal himself to the Gentiles. Now, this is actually within his canticle, and we're going to be talking about his canticle in just a little bit. But if you think about it, the primary source for light in ancient times was a lamp or a candle, and this is why the blessing of candles is one of the central rituals of this feast. Because you see, both the canticle and the prophecy of Simeon point to the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Blessed Mother, by participating in our Lord's passion, closer than any other human, they would both be a light, the same way that a candle or a lamp gives light. Our Blessed Mother becomes Our Lady of Sorrows, that the thoughts of many would be laid bare and reveal all that is hidden, and our Lord Jesus fulfills the prophecy that he would be a light unto the Gentiles. Truly, the depth and layers of this imagery is just beautiful to behold. So now understanding the prophecies, let's move on to the candles and the symbolism of the candles. The blessing of the candles is a significant moment in the Feast of the Presentation. During this ritual, the priest blesses the candles, usually wearing a purple cope, and prays five prayers of the candles that have been placed near the altar. The candles are then sprinkled three times with holy water, they're then incensed, and then distributed to the faithful. Receiving a blessed candle is a meaningful moment where we, the laity, kiss the candle and then the priest's hand, just as we do on Palm Sunday. This powerful symbol of the Feast of the Presentation has been interpreted by many liturgists, including Ivo of Chartres and St. Anselm of Canterbury. According to St. Anselm, the wax represents the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ, the wick represents his soul, and the flame represents his divinity. The Nunc Dimittis, also known as the Canticle of Simeon, is an important part of the Feast of the Presentation. This hymn is sung during the distribution of the blessed candles and speaks of Simeon's dismissal of the Lord in peace after having seen the Lord's salvation. Before we look at the text, both in English and in Latin of the Nunc Dimittis, which I think is very important, I would like to share with you a short story about St. Simeon and who he may actually be. This, of course, is tradition. However, this is one of my most favorite stories. I'm really excited to share it with you on the podcast. According to the Eastern Catholic Churches, the righteous Simeon was actually called St. Simeon the God-Receiver, and this is his backstory according to their tradition. The righteous Simeon was one of the 70 scholars who came to Alexandria to translate the Holy Scriptures into Greek from Hebrew. This is about 300 years before the birth of Christ. This completed work was called the Septuagint. Now, St. Simeon was translating a book of the prophet Isaiah and read the words, Behold, 
a virgin shall conceive in the womb, and shall bring forth a son. Now, St. Simeon apparently was afraid that if he translated the word virgin as virgin, he would be mocked by the king. Now, remember, he's one of 70 scholars who are translating this. And apparently, because he was so scared, he decided to try to translate virgin into young woman. Every other scholar translating at the time translated it as virgin, but he was afraid and wanted to translate it as young woman. At that moment, an angel appeared to him and held back his hand, saying, You shall see these words fulfilled. You shall not die until you behold Christ the Lord, born of a pure and spotless virgin. Tradition says that he died at the great age of 360. The Eastern Catholic churches, when they celebrate the Divine Liturgy, have a hymn called a troparion in tone four, and these are the words, Simeon the Elder is filled with joy today, receiving into his arms the eternal God as an infant. Begging to be released from the bonds of the flesh, he cries, My eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared for all the nations to see. Can you imagine having made such a foolish mistake out of fear, and then waiting 360 years for that mistake to be rectified? Imagine waiting in the temple, and then, in the blink of an eye, you finally see the light. You see the light emanating from the Christ child. You see the light of this virgin who bore a son. And you cry out. Your heart cannot contain itself. And you speak these words, the Nunc Dimittis, this canticle of Simeon. You run and you hold him in your arms and you utter this prayer of praise. Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, a light to reveal thee to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. In Latin, the prayer goes, Nunc dimitis serum tuum domine, secundum verbum tuum in pace, quia viderunt oculi mei salutare tuum, quod parasti ante facium omnium populorum, lumen ad revelationum gentium, et gloriam plebis tue Israel. Following the distribution of candles and the singing of the Nunc Dimittis, the candle mass celebration begins with a joyous procession of lighted candles that symbolize the arrival of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Accompanied by the singing of uplifting anthems, the faithful carry their candles into the church where the mass will be held. During the reading of the gospel, the lighted candles are held high shining like beacons of hope. And this continues from the beginning of the canon of the Mass until communion, representing the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the hearts of all who partake in the celebration. Now, in many communities, the celebration of Candlemas includes the blessing of candles brought from homes for this purpose. These candles should be made of at least 51% beeswax, which is considered to be a pure and sacred material. They've been used for centuries in the Church. As I mentioned at the tail end of my previous podcast, this is a wonderful time to learn how to make candles with your families. If you can't find a local retailer for beeswax sheets, 
You can find them on Amazon. I'll include a link in the show notes where you can get your own. The candles that are then blessed can be used for devotional purposes such as lighting your family altar or of course marking the seasons of Advent, having your Advent candles, and so much more during the year. During Candlemas, these candles are lit after dusk. Having been blessed with exercised holy water, they can ward off demons of the air. They are often lit to ward off troubles, storms, or during difficult times. The act of bringing candles to be blessed is a way of asking for God's protection and guidance. I thought it'd be fitting to finish this episode by giving you a special prayer that is prayed while burning a blessed candle during times of trouble or storms. This prayer is taken from the Pieta prayer book. The words will be in the show notes as well as the words to both the Latin and the English of the Nunc Dimittis. The prayer goes as follows. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus Christ, a King of glory, has come in peace. God became man, and the Word was made flesh. Christ was born of a virgin. Christ suffered. Christ was crucified. Christ died. Christ rose from the dead. Christ ascended into heaven. Christ conquers. Christ reigns. Christ commands. May Christ protect us from all storms and lightning. Christ went through their midst in peace, and the Word was made flesh. Christ is with us, with Mary. Flee, you enemy spirits, because the Lion of the generation of Judah, the Root of David, has won. Holy God, holy powerful God, holy immortal God, have mercy on us. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. And there you have it. I hope you have found this episode inspiring, and I hope that you have enough time to prepare some candles or buy them and attend Candlemas this year and have your candles blessed so that you could use them in your homes throughout this year. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you would join me in praying for our patrons for their family members, and for their intentions right now. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi sanctificetur nomen Tuum, adveniat regnum Tuum fiat voluntas Tua, sicut in Celo et in Terra, panem nostrum, quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos a malo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So until our next episode, May God love you and Our Lady keep you, and Happy Feast of Candlemas.